Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. You're here with your host Liam and Bill. Hey Bill. Hey Liam, how you doing? Good, we just had our teams uh, drop for the Thursday night podcast. Uh, has anyone taken your eye from the latest ins and outs? Yeah, there's a few, uh, especially from a super coach perspective, but I think the first one we'll probably talk about is your boy Tom McCartan, uh, Paddy's cousin, I believe. Uh, yeah, brother, I brother, think, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, younger brother coming in for his first game. Maybe we'll see whether we pick the wrong McCartan in the end. Yeah, perhaps. Um, maybe we could combine them both for your 40 goals. They might get there together, I think. True, if you burst onto the scene, um, we'll be interested to see. Paddy's out for a couple of weeks with the whiplash. <laughs> Yeah, a few big names in this week. Uh, one for your draft team, or two for your draft team, actually. You've got Tom Rockcliffe and Aaron Hall coming in, who've been uh, sitting on your pine for quite a while now. Well, I'll be excited if Tom Rockcliffe comes back as Tom Rockcliffe of old. If he comes back of Tom Rockcliffe earlier in the year, it's not much use to me. So it's a bit of a waiting game to see what he comes back and what sort of form he brings. Picked up, I think, 30-odd touches and, and kicked a goal in the twos there. So he could be back in a bit of form. And he's pretty cheap now, looking at a sort of regular super coach. Maybe some people will be bringing him in. Yeah, I expect people will wait to see if he can back up a couple of good scores before they bring him in. But if he comes out and goes whack in his old, you know, 115 plus type scores, I think most people will have a look at him. What we also see is uh, the Giants welcome back both Jeremy Cameron and Rory Lobb into their team. Really struggled last week without the height of both Cameron and Lobb. Yeah, great news for GWS. Um, not great news for my team. Unfortunately, Kelly not named among those ins. I think we're going to be seeing him next week. Yeah, it turns out it was a good move by me pulling the trigger and trading him out when I heard the, the groin soreness is always one you don't want to have hanging around. It's always a bit longer. Um, Speaking of groin soreness, Joe Danaher out for four weeks with the osteitis pubis. Yeah, never a good one to see. So I, I would expect we might not even see him back in those four weeks. It could be a long-term proposition there. Um, I had a decision to make this week about whether to cut Nick Holman or Lockie Fogarty to make a little bit of cash, and I've probably had that decision made for me. Lockie Fogarty is uh, one of the outs for the Cats. Yeah, one of the outs and one of the interesting ins for the Cats is Harry Taylor, so other super coaches that have Henry on their team might be looking at a bit of a change of role for him. Yeah, I think I'd be looking at moving him to the bench if uh, if I had that option, but uh, unfortunately I don't. I think he's going to be playing on the field as uh, Lance Franklin is still, I'm told now, at least one to two weeks away, so another one sitting on the bench for me. Unfortunately not scoring any points. Another big name in for the Cats, Gary Ablett, to come in. And uh, is this going to be the first game we see Ablett, Dangerfield, Duncan, Selwood? I think it is for the four of them. We saw Selwood, Ablett, and Dangerfield, I think. Yep. Uh, but Duncan was missing. So the new Fab Four, uh, we'll see if they can hold a candle to the uh, the Brisbane Lions or the Eagles versions in the early 2000s. And it will be an interesting midfield matchup coming up against Collingwood, obviously, and we all know that they've got firepower in there. I've actually heard a lot of people are tipping the pies, but I think with that midfield in there, it's going to be a really exciting battle. Yeah, I'm not sure about the pies tip there. I mean, uh, they just went last-minute victory over us, and, and we're sitting bottom of the ladder or second last, so I think the Cats will get it done. A couple of more uh, interesting changes for Richmond. We see Prestia go out with his injury and Trent Conchin probably being the one to replace him out of that lineup. Yeah, in the same game for North Melbourne, we've got Paul Ahern in and uh, making his, I think it's his AFL debut. It's definitely his debut for North, but I think it's also his AFL debut. Yeah, coming over from, is it GWS boy, is yeah, he? Yeah, GWS. Yeah, very interested to see him play. He's another one of those 123,000, I believe, uh, mid-forwards, so everyone will be keeping a close eye on him. Um, big reps. I'll be interested to see where he plays. I know he's done a bit of work in the off-season off the half-back, previously being used as that mid-forward, as his supercoach status implies, so it'll be interesting to see where he plays and uh, how he can go in his debut. And another one of the outs, uh, which is a bit annoying for both of our teams, I think, Don Barry, uh, once again, 
played pretty poorly when he has been in the team and now he's found himself out. Um, another one of those ones, similar Lockie Murphy, and now I've also got Dave Mirror just sitting on the bench, not scoring any points and not making any cash. Yeah, to go with him and the Lockie Fogarty, we have Darcy Fogarty also out of that team for Taylor Walker. So another super coach blow and um, we'll be hoping to see at least some of those boys back before the bye. Otherwise, it might be a bit of chaos. Yeah, similarly, we've also got Mac Welfi still sitting on the pine and uh, one that we expected. I think we both thought he was going to come straight back into the team. Yeah, apparently was rested and didn't even play at VFL level, which is always good for that rested call, but didn't get the call up. It'll be interesting to see whether he'll be back anytime soon because a lot of super coaches are relying on that score off the bench. Um, probably the last one for super coach and uh, fan news is probably Marcus Bontempelli coming back in for the dogs, um, but we see Timmy English getting omitted there. Yeah, Tim English in a lot of teams. Unfortunately, I didn't jump on. I've got Darcy Cameron. I think you do too, uh, sitting on Alpine. So I will disagree with you, though. Not the last super coach relevant out. We've got Nick Nanui suspended for that week. So Very probably quite true. a few coaches will have him there. And that's probably a good one for you, Liam, as you look to continue to climb the rankings. Yeah, I moved myself up to 534th now in the rankings. So moving up there and uh, not having Nick Nad obviously helps. But um yeah, some of these rookie outs might hurt me a bit, but uh still have a few that were, were named this week, so hopefully I can pick the right ones on field. I've also managed to uh, crack back into that top 10,000, so uh, still a fair way off the top, but you know, nice to be back in the uh, the four figures and uh, looking to move up, hopefully getting back Josh Kelly and, and Buddy Franklin in the next couple of weeks. Are you making any trades this week? I am. As I mentioned, I'm getting rid of Lockie Fogarty. I'll be bringing in Charlie Spargo. And I think I'm going to jump off uh, Bundy Christensen and bring in James Sisley up forward. Yeah, Sisley's probably the big name talking point this week. He's one that I sort of raised last week as my only trade I considered was Billings to Sisley, and I missed probably 80k on that trade now. It's too far to do it. Yeah, Billings, one that just continues to lose cash. I'm pretty glad I jumped off when I did. I jumped onto Robbie Gray, and obviously he's looking pretty good at this point in time. My trade that I'm looking at is also to get in Spargo. I think he's the clear-cut um, rookie option to bring in. He's had two very good scores, very consistent, and he looks like he's playing a brand of footy that they really like over there at the Ds, and I've brought him in um, at the expense of Bailey Banfield. I think he's sort of hit his ceiling, really consistent scorer. I think all his scores are between 50 and 80 or something like that, but I don't see his price rising because he can't really hit that ceiling. So made the cash for me and will go down to Spargo. And I think I'll also bring in Sisley, but this time down back, I'm actually thinking of cutting out Tom Deday. He has been very good for me and he's been scoring very well, but just from where all my other rookies are at, the only really other one at the price point to Callis Finlayson, who I've ended up moving into the middle. So not wanting to upgrade in my middle yet. I'm going to have to wave goodbye to Tom. Yeah, pretty interesting move. Um, I think most people probably still have him in the teams at this point. I know I do. Um, he's still pumping out relatively good scores. So obviously you'll be hoping for a bit of a drop off there. Fingers crossed. And um, sort of the reason why is that I'm looking to go hard on upgrades now. Pretty much one up, one down every week. So only looking for another five or six weeks before all of my rookies are sort of moved up to premium. So really only missing a couple of weeks of, say, a Fritch score over a today um, in the end of the day. So, yeah, hopefully that works out for me. So you have a plan then? You've got a, a list of players you're eyeing off? Yeah, I'm, I'm really tossing up the Sicily one, who I've brought into my team at the moment this week. He's been putting out the huge scores. is a little hard to ignore at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, he's definitely pumping out those huge scores. I'm not sure we're going to see him continue... Uh, to pump out scores of that magnitude, but I do think he'll be a consistent scorer. 
either up forward or in the defence. So as I mentioned, I'm bringing him in this week. Still under 500,000, so he poses a lot of value there. But I don't know, coming against some of the teams that he scored big against are sort of known for that, you know, bonging, bombing the ball into the back 50. It'll be interesting to see against the Swans this week if they start giving him some attention and maybe fires back and misses a few weeks. I'm still tossing up whether I should get on and off, but at the moment, he's the one I'm bringing in. And um, over the next few weeks, got a plan of a few people to bring in. I really think that Dangerfield's going to go big this week and it'll be the week that people start to get on him. So I'm leaving that door open and a lot of cash in my bank for that next week and then i've got a list of players i really want i'll do an upgrade the week after that um of either simpson down back or maybe a buddy up forward depending on where my rookies are at and um following the round 10 buy robbie gray is my number one and then first two weeks of the buys i want to bring in people that had their buys the week before so um resting on that first week and then bringing in mccray and uh hurley after their respective buys are done so anyone sitting around similar position to you in Supercoach just heard your entire plan, and uh, I'm sure they'll take great advantage of that. Yeah, they would if they want to equal me, but uh, <laughs> I'll expect there to be a few different people and uh, probably no people listening to this podcast anyway, let's be real. Absolutely. Um, should we head into the games? Yeah, we'll head into the games. So once again, Friday night, we got together to watch some footy, and a uh, terrible decision, I think, because we just watched a very one-sided game. Uh, the Cats put... The Giants down by 10 goals in not a great contest. Yeah, they absolutely crushed it. I sort of thought the game would be pretty close, actually, but GWS really hate coming down to Melbourne and um, really didn't show up for the contest. One of the best players there for the Cats was um, big Tom Hawkins, kicked four goals, but found himself missing a week with this uh, contact with the umpire. What did you make of that? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's touched the umpire, and those are the rules, I guess. Like it's a, it's a bit harsh, perhaps, but he did make contact, so I guess he's got to go. Might be a big loss for the Cats uh, coming up this week. Yeah, uh, Tom Hawkins, obviously, like, you know, their main focal point up forward, so a big loss. Um, we'll see how they go against the Pies defense. Um, also in this game, we saw once again for our Supercoach News, Dangerfield being sort of really underwhelming, not playing the midfield minutes he's used to, playing a lot up forward, and when he's in the middle, not really having the effect he normally has. Yeah, so underwhelming game for Dangerfield is still 27 touches and two goals too, but... Uh, <laughs> wait for him to get back to his form and then he'll be scoring 200s every week yeah and as you mentioned like perhaps this week i mean he looked pretty disappointed with himself and uh and his performance so despite them getting the win obviously i think he's uh probably in a mood of something to prove and i, I do suspect we could see him scoring big this weekend and what we do see is they're coming up against collingwood who doesn't tag we'll talk about who they didn't tag later in the show uh last week but they don't tag Dangerfield's going to go out there I'm expecting a 150-plus score from him, and um, everyone will be wowing on Dangerfield once again. Uh, we were cheering on some aspects of this game, and the main one was Jack Henry. I think we both had him on field. Uh, I did. Uh, yeah, I actually didn't have him on field. I had him as emergency because I could uh, loophole in a rookie zero and choose between two scores on my bench. So how that works is if I have the latest playing player as my emergency with the two playing earlier, I can see what he scores. And if my other two players are playing late in the week, I can just put my zero on field and take the big score from Henry. Otherwise, I could have just, instead of the zero, played Darcy Fogarty on my field. So I took the 114 through that loophole. The luxury of a man with many rookies. Uh, I have not so many. So Jack Henry started on the field and I was pretty happy. He put up, what, it was a, a 115 or something in the end? Yeah, 114. He scored off 18 touches and 11 marks and uh, won himself the Rising Star nomination for the round. So really impressive game. Sort of a breakout there and um, really shows why the Cats put the faith in him at, that they did after they had their injuries in that back line. Tim Kelly continues to perform at a really high level. Uh, 
put up 115 this week and he looks to be locked into probably most people's sort of mid seven or eight position now yeah averaging 101 in super coach and really just performing higher than anyone thought a rookie could this year he's really stood out and um, able to put an impression into a midfield that's really strong one of the things I'll take out of uh, this game is that I look at what they've done to GWS, who's no pushovers, and they've still got uh, Ablett and Taylor coming into this team this week, which will really strengthen them up even further. Yeah, we'll talk about our uh, latest updated rankings model a bit later, but I'm pretty sure Geelong is sitting on top. Very interesting to hear, and um, we've heard you know they haven't really had a full team all year. As we mentioned, the first time we'll see the Danger Woodlit Duncan combo. <laughs> have to figure out a way to get uh, Duncan in there because we really rate him as a player. I think he should be thrown in there as a big four conversation. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they all gel together and um, what this means for Tim Kelly's scoring as well. I wouldn't be too surprised if we see him score more of a 70-80 this week in the Supercoach um, with the big four firing. We'll jump to another player you love, Liam, and in the next game, uh, Jack McRae. He's had 40 touches, uh, five marks, eight tackles and one goal. Not sure how many super coach points he got, but he got 151 dream team. Yeah, we've been talking him up as one of our favorites here on the podcast, and we've been calling him the most underrated player in the competition. But I think that's all about to change from his form. I think everyone's going to be on him now, and uh, there was no Bontempelli or Crips in this name in this game to talk about how big they were. So I think that he was the main focus for everyone. I was. Uh, I didn't watch this game. I, I sort of tracked along on the stats app, and I was pretty happy that. Uh, Wits had 21 touches, he had 3 marks, 3 tackles, 58 hitouts, but unfortunately he notched up about 110 supercoach, not sure what's happening here. Yeah, well he scored those 58 hitouts, which is effectively what cost uh, Timmy English his spot in the side drop this week after he got towed up by Wits. Um, yeah, didn't get the probably top score that you would have wanted to come out of that game for Wits, but 110 is nothing to laugh at, and uh, especially in a losing side, we all know that you get a few less points. Uh, first game this was at Mars Stadium or on Mars or wherever that is. I think it's in Ballarat. Yeah, I'm yeah. not really sure. Yeah. Pr- it's a dog's home game. I think it's Ballarat. It might be Bendigo. I get um, them mixed up all the time. Those two. Yeah, I'm pretty certain it was in Ballarat. And um, yeah, Mars Stadium, first game there, I believe, for Premiership points. And the doggies got the win. A pretty close contest. I think I tipped the Suns. They couldn't quite get over the line. Yeah, it was a close game, as we sort of expected on the last podcast um, with us. I think tipping different in that game um, and it was good to see a good win come out of the dogs and a player for them that really continues to impress is Toby McLean 33 touches and 13 tackles he's really just stepped into that midfield and he won't be going anywhere for a long time yeah one of the players I had outlined um, in my draft strategy that you know I sort of just had to get in that forward line position and he's repaid the faith Um he's I think always been quite underrated just probably due to the, the little ducking you know in his early early in his career with the the fringe specifically to flick the hair back so that the umpires would notice and uh yeah i think as a result he's been underrated for a while now yeah definitely he's averaging 110.57 in supercoach as a forward absolutely incredible no one would have thought this 146 supercoach points on the weekend as we mentioned off those big numbers and um yeah really just an impressive player with him and mccray both getting to new levels in that dog's midfield they're able to put a lot of teams like Gold Coast to the sword, who really didn't have the big name stepping up in that position. We'll keep rolling through the games, and another disappointing loss for Essendon, and uh, another stellar game for James Sisley. He's had 29 touches, 14 marks, and one goal. Yeah, very hateable, but very good player. He's turning it up this year. He's really showing really the faith that um, Clark has put in him with his new position. He's really, that's another masterstroke by Alistair Clarkson moving him to the back line. He's really 
become one of the best intercept and rebounding players in the game at the moment. It's just a matter of whether he can keep his cool when I know teams are going to start putting some attention into him from now on from how dominant he's been. As mentioned, did manage to kick a goal. Don't know if you saw it, but uh, Joe went up to Joe afterwards and uh, offered him the high five, but uh, fortunately didn't get one. (laughs) Didn't get one, yeah. Yeah. Very cheeky, um, classic Sicily move there. He he loves getting into the opposition, but um, definitely a hothead when he gets it back. And I would expect someone like Papley from the Swans this week to be nudging him at every chance that he gets. Um, Also in this game, on the other side, we see Danaher going out of this team after another poor performance, which we're finding out possibly due to that injury. We also saw um, Isaac Smith uh, get 20 touches and two goals to go along with this Brownlow call from Purple. Yeah, Brownlow favorite coming up. Uh, (laughs) I don't think so, but uh, we'll see. He'll face some stiff competition in this game for the votes. Um, Tom Mitchell played pretty well, and as we mentioned, Sicily probably getting the three votes, I think. Move along to the next game, which is uh, West Coast over Port Adelaide. Yeah, I think we both went for Port, didn't we? Yeah, us and the algorithm, all three went Mm. for the underdog in Port, and it just went terribly. Not great. Um, Yeah, I think at some point we're going to have to start taking West Coast seriously. Yeah, it seems that way. It seems like I assume that, say, their midfield would really have that hit with those two big names coming out over the summer, but... What we saw is Jack Redden, over the last two weeks, he stepped into a full-time midfield grunt role, 32 touches, 6 tackles, 7 marks um, on the day, and yeah, just really back into that inside role that he likes. Best mates with Tom Rockliffe uh, in their time at Brisbane, so perhaps they're going to do the one-two punch and both come back at the same time. We'd like to see. We also see uh, Rioli really coming into his own at the moment, getting two goals to go along with 16 touches. I feel like he's just been slowly building, and um, we all know that he's had an increased workload after the injury to Ryan, Liam Ryan. So, yeah, really stepping up, which is good for West Coast fans, really exciting, and um, he's putting on a show up forward alongside Darling, who's been really in some hot form as well. Yeah, West Coast with quite a few avenues to go at the moment, obviously. Josh Kennedy, um, Jack Darling, as you mentioned, the, the two talls, and then a host of Smalls, Rioli, Petroselli, Cripps, and uh, quite a few midfielders chipping in as well. So they're finding it pretty easy at the moment. Speaking of the midfield, we've got to talk about Nick Nat while we're here. Is the tackle dead? <laughs> I don't know if the tackle's dead, but uh, apparently now you're not allowed to tackle someone if you weigh a lot. Yeah, I really don't get this argument. I'm, t- I'm all for... Um, when you're pinning someone's arms and tackling them to have responsibility about whether their head goes into the ground. But I really feel like it should be more for those swing tackles or two-motion tackles rather than sort of he was just going full pelt at someone. So the lining questioning um, from what I've seen on a transcript went, are you, were you aware or are you aware of your duty of care to not you know, injure a player in a tackle? And he says, yes. And they say, okay, and what is your playing weight? And he said, I weigh you know whatever it is, 105 100, kilos or yeah. something. So... Um, you know, the implication there is that, um, you know, knowing that you're not allowed to hurt someone, you sort of have to take into account how much bigger you are than them when you tackle them, which is a very strange ruling. Yeah, I think really common sense should come through on these sort of rules where if you are doing a non-tackle motion, which I think the slings and the, you know, grab and then second motion dump is, then they're the ones you sort of want to get out of the game. Um, injuries are going to occur and I'm Really not sure that there was an intent here to hurt. We'll keep rolling. There was two games on Saturday night. Um, one on Free to Air TV. We got to watch the Crows put the Blues down by 55 points, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Unfortunately, we did not get to watch a thriller of a game uh, in which North Melbourne won by two points over the Swans at the SCG. Yeah, uh, 
are, the, are North for real? Apparently. Are, are they going to make... They're see, in the race for finals yeah, now. I recall someone saying they had no youth and they were going to need to rebuild for a long, long time, so on and so on, but they're doing pretty well, aren't they? Unbelievable. Like, it's it's seriously one of those things where I've written down on my notes here, which I was writing by hand, Sydney over North, and I had to cross it out and write North over Sydney just because, I don't know, my brain is just like, yeah, Sydney over North. That makes sense. Uh, largely off the back of Mason Wood, he's come in and uh, had 17 touches, nine marks, and kicked four goals straight. Yeah, four goals, including um, the important goal late where he stepped around a few people and slotted it through. Really impressive. Here's a player who has had so many injuries. I think he's 24 going on 25 at the moment and really has only stringed, I don't know, 30, 40 games together. So it's really a player that North's put a lot into and really hope that he can string the rest of the year together because, as he's shown, he can be a game winner. More bad news for my draft team. I mean, in an upset win, North getting the win there, uh, Goldstein managed to get given a bath by Callum Sinclair. Um, Callum Sinclair had 20 disposals, 27 hitouts, a goal, 7 marks, and Goldstein managed 8 touches, uh, 2 marks, and 40 hitouts. So won the hitouts, but soundly beaten around the ground. I don't know what's more confusing, whether I have to ask, is North for real or is Callum Sinclair for real? Is it just me or before this year was here, you know, one-two punch with another average Ruckman and that sort of be okay in the Ruck and okay for, but not really good at either, and now he's just dominating all over the ground? Yeah, absolutely thriving and, and has done from day dot uh, this season. I, I remember when I was looking at Rucks to bring in for Paddy Ryder, I, I mentioned his name at one point because I said, oh, you know, he, he scored well and he's got a few easy teams coming up um but i didn't really seriously consider him and turns out i should have he's made quite a lot of cash and pumped out quite a lot of good scores yeah i think that's why everyone we see darcy cameron on everyone's benches but callum sinclair just come out he doesn't need anyone else i think he's averaging like 108 i think he's the third or fourth best super coach ruckman out there at the moment it's sort of max gorn and grundy and daylight and then steph martin and sinclair are the next two around yeah, what could have been. <laughs> <laughs> what could have been if we knew. Um, uh, also, another player in form is JPK, which you brought into your team. You'd be happy with another big score from him. Yeah, I think there was a few signs, you know, that he was sort of turning around and uh, he has historically sort of had a slow build into the seasons, as we mentioned last week, and he repaid the faith. He pumped out a big 150 and, you know, you got to be happy with that. Yeah, 31 touches, 9 tackles. So back to that grunt midfielder that we all expect from JPK and yeah, he's back now, and I expect these numbers to continue. We all know that the the clamping um, midfield that we have from North that really quells any midfield scores in Supercoach or on the field, the output of midfields. It's really a great defensive um, middle that North has put together, and to have him come out and perform like that, I'd expect him to be just as strong next week. As we mentioned, the other game on was uh, Adelaide getting a pretty easy win over Carlton. Um, the Blues managed to keep it relatively close until halftime, and then sort of blew out from there as we all expected yeah and what we saw was with taylor walker out of this team we saw mcgovern step up and kick five rolls up forward we've seen him sort of being swing defense and forward this year but setting up forward five rolls yeah and took probably probably the mark of the year so far i think yeah really interesting sort of 45 degree angle off the pack yeah just a great mark um good commentary on it too i think it was james brayshaw called it pretty well um Probably one of my favorite commentators, I think, actually. Not so over the top like a like a BT, so you're maybe even going to throw out Cameron Ling here. Not a huge fan of <laughs> Sort of got, like, enough to keep you entertained, but not enough to annoy you. Some yeah, I get, I, just, I get very annoyed by some of them. Also in this game, we saw Matt Crouch come back. 32 touches. He's just a superstar, and he'll be putting out those sort of numbers every week. Now he's back from his injury. I see a lot of super coaches trading him in this week on the low price. Yeah, definitely one to consider. Um, 
He's proven last year that he can put up those big 110-plus scores, and he looks to be back and, and doing that once again. Um, did manage to hear a lot once again about Paddy Cripps on the commentary, uh, even though he didn't have the most brilliant of games. Yeah, it's not even... Uh, I'm going to... We've, we've settled this McRae talk, that McRae's a gun and he was the most underrated <laughs> player, but now everyone loves McRae and we're going to have to get off and get on someone else. And I've got a new most underrated player in the competition, uh, Ed Kernow. Yep. He is the best yep. Kernow in the competition. Definitely rated by someone. Uh, we've got a, a mate of ours in our draft league who's a very big fan of the Kernow brothers, um, drafted both of them into league and both are paying off. He had 26 touches, 14 tackles and a goal on the weekend. And he, he's somebody that... Most people, not a household name at all. You'd go up and say Ed Kernow and they'd be like, oh yeah, isn't he the forward? Everyone knows Charlie's name, but Ed's absolutely crushing it. He's my new most underrated player in the year now that McRae's a superstar and everyone uh, is all about him. So well done, Ed Kernow. You're a new favorite of the podcast. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not really the kiss of death. It seems to be the kiss of life. So now that he's been uh, crowned the, uh, the new most underrated player, he's going to continue to pump out those scores, I think, maybe. Jump on if you're listening. And then I'll start getting on Saints players and using the kiss for good. Yeah, well, you might have to. Uh, we'll, we'll jump ahead now to the Saints game, why not? And uh, it's a 40-point loss to the Demons. Yeah, just really disappointing day in the end. Um, Saints lose. Lose Ben Long to a long-term injury. It's just a, just a horror time for the Saints at the moment. So you were at this game. Um, how did it look? Uh, at the start of the game, we were sort of, I don't know, we were splitting it for a lot of it, as I was saying to you earlier. We sort of had more scoring shots up until late in the second quarter, and just the confidence drops when you we kicked 9-13 for the day, but a lot of those goals came in the second half. We really just couldn't kick anything to the point where at the end of the game you have young Marshall marking it at the top of the goal square and still kicking it behind because it's just in everyone's heads now. For the Demons, it is the usual suspects. Uh, Max Gorn, 20 touches, 34 hitouts and a goal. Clayton Oliver, 36 touches and a goal. Um, Jesse Hogan, 25 and three goals. And then we saw Angus Brayshaw come in and play some good footy in the middle once again, 32 touches and a goal. Yeah, actually playing out of the midfield and uh, really performing well. He was having important touches, going in hard, no shirking it because of his concussion issues. He was really crashing into those balls and um, pushing it forward really effectively. It's sort of playing out of the middle there you wonder why he was ever playing anywhere else he was really impressive speaking of concussion issues uh, Paddy McCartan's copped another knock I didn't actually see the footage yeah so this was a head-on collision with somebody else's head in the forward line Neville Jettas maybe I'm not really sure but then he got up and kept playing the game and later in the game he was going back with the flight and got hit in the back I assume or whatever and has some whiplash and from that he's been having some fogginess in in the head and some nausea so I guess you don't need to be hit in the head to get concussion. I really do wonder whether this whiplash is still more concussion-style symptoms or not. Yeah, it sounds like it could be um, generally a cumulative sort of process. So I think the more you get concussed, the easier it is to get concussed in the future. I see it a lot sort of in boxes when they say their chin is gone. Um, something probably to keep an eye on, I think, for St Kilda Footy Club. Yeah, said he's going to miss two weeks now, so... Losing Long and McCartan, and we already have Bruce on the long-term injury list and Membry looking like he's still playing, injured coming off that injury. We really don't even have our forward line that was already missing Nick Rewald at the moment, so going to need some new players to step up and start kicking goals. Um, someone else we really need to get in form, it's been well-documented during the week, is Jackie Nunes, four tackles from seven games. Yeah, so that's that um, earlier in the week and quite a surprising one. Obviously, you would expect to be going at least to tackle a game, you would imagine. I mean, it's not that hard to tackle someone. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading through Nick Riolt's, uh autobiography at the moment and he was talking about 
getting a text from you know Grant Thomas as a coach being like I never want to see you have zero tackles in a game ever again and talking about just what it means to put in every week and Nunes would know that it's not good enough and um, I'd be watching his tackle numbers this week if he doesn't have five plus tackles I think he deserves a long stint in the Magoos. So zero tackles for him on the weekend uh, two St. Hill players with zero tackles him and Tim Membry who can you know sort of be excused a little bit more with the sort of key forward position there so 25 touches no tackles not a great result. An interesting uh, player to keep an eye on is uh, Ed Phillips, who's getting his debut for St Kilda this week. Um, absolute running machine who's been racking up a lot of the pill at VFL level. Um, always good to see those young players come in, and I expect him to have a big crack this weekend, and uh, hopefully he can take some of that um, wing time off Nunes and um, run up and down and the big uh, expansive spaces over at Optus Stadium, maybe follow around one of the Hill brothers and uh, learn a lot from playing that wing role for the first time. Speaking of up to stadium, we'll jump back now to the game that we skipped, and that is uh, Richmond giving Fremantle a bit of a bath there, 110 to 33. Yeah, they hung around for a while. I was I was at the Saints game, standing out in the aisle, watching on the TV screens, and Freer was sort of hanging about for a long time, and then Richmond sort of went bang and crushed crushed the second half. Really, yeah, it seems to be a bit of a, a Richmond pattern here. So three quarter time it was about 25 points, and then the final margin was about 75. So the put on a 50-point buffer in that last quarter and really blowing the game out. Richmond's just such an interesting team because I was looking through the stats to try and find, you know, someone to talk about, and they're really just having really even team performances. This game, we saw Dusty kick four behinds, no goals, Um, really not having the impact he usually has. Is he playing injured or just out of form? Yeah, word is he's playing a bit injured. Um, and Nigel, I think I've heard the word groin thrown around, so he's definitely carrying something at the moment, I think, and that's sort of reflecting in his in his output and in his supercoach scores, so... One to keep an eye on. I think we'll see him work into a bit of form as the year goes on. One of the players for Richmond we did see step up was Jack Graham, who had 24 touches, 7 tackles. The tackles are what he's become known for, and he kicked a goal as well. So really a young player stepping up for Richmond. One of the Richmond players who's got a bit of talk this week in the media is Shane Edwards. don't know if you saw this, Lee, but uh, yeah, a lot of talk about his effectiveness. And um, I think he's the stat was that he's leading the league for score assists or goal assists um, by quite a fair way. Yeah, um, the quote I heard was from someone working at Champion Data who said, this may surprise everyone, but in terms of Champion Data stats, we think he's a top 15 player in the competition. So that's an outrageous number, top 15 for a player that, once again, not really a household name and um, really an important player for Richmond, obviously. One thing uh, when people mention him that sticks out in my mind is uh, just... Vivid memory, I think it was last week, of him just sort of getting the ball in a pack and shooting out a handball over his shoulder and hitting someone perfectly running by. So obviously got great vision on those in tight contests and able to feed the ball out. Yeah, flashbacks to the grand final. Anyone who wants to go back and watch that grand final, watch Edwards really closely because it's exactly that. He gets those balls in that contested situation and he handed it off to someone running it, you know, just in the middle of the ground at 100 miles per hour and really opened the game up for them. He's really... Really important when he gets those uh, out-of-the-pack balls. Last game of the round, and we might have saved the best for last year, it was an absolute shootout up at the Gabba. Uh, unfortunately, the Lions couldn't get over the line on this one, going down by seven points to the Pies, um, 121 to 114, so a very high-scoring game. Yeah, a cracking game, and the best thing about it was I was over watching the Saints kick behind after behind, and this was 10 straight to 10-3 at halftime as a fan. That's all you want. You want ex- exciting goal-kicking footy. I think I read a stat that it was actually the most accurate game in terms of like that many goals kicked to the, to the behinds ratio um, of all time, I think, to halftime. Yeah, 20 goals, three to halftime. I mean, I'd believe it. That's absolutely incredible. Um, you were obviously watching it. Was 
it just free-flowing footy, a lot of goals near the goal line, or was it just everyone slotting them? There's a few, just a, a lot of players slotting them, you know, uh, even a few difficult shots being kicked. Um, as you mentioned, you know, a few from the goal line getting over the top there, but just generally it was a pretty open game. Um, the ball was zipping end to end. Um, I don't think the lead ever really got out to more than 20 points. Um, the Pies kicked away to that sort of three-goal buffer a few times, and we always managed to drag ourselves back into it. And then, yeah, it was just going goal for goal for goal for a long time there, and... Uh, yeah, very exciting finish. Definitely had a chance there to win. Um, I think I had a bit of a go at Christensen for costing us the port game, and I think he might have cost us a game again too because he was sort of running into the 50. Um, he had an option if he just sort of got the handball over the head, two players against one, we would have had the two-on-one and probably kicked a goal there. Um, fortunately, he blazed away, kicked it out in the full. They've gone down the other end. Stephenson's kicked a sealer and uh, continued his good form, and the pies have got up. Yeah, um, kicked a goal off the handball from a man who was probably best on ground, Jordan Dugowie, who had 20 touches and five goals, two on the day. Yeah, I think probably got the best on ground. Um, probably the only person pushing him was Dane Zorko, who, as we've spoken about, um, the Pies don't really go with the tag, and we've spoken about Zorko's susceptibility to the tag in recent weeks. Um, so I think clubs are probably going to be tagging him again because when you leave him on tags, he has 34 touches, 10 tackles, 7 marks, and kicks 4 goals. <laughs> Unbelievable stat line, isn't it? And just goes to show from, I don't know what his stats are over the last month when he got tagged every game, probably, you know, 15 touches and no goals. And then you don't tag him for one week and he, he jumps that high. He's just going to get tagged every week. It's as simple as he's too good when you let him run free. Yeah. Um, although Dane Beams coming in and looking once again, you know, back to his best, 31 touches and two goals. And then we've also got Rich in the side now and a few other midfielders putting their hand up. So hopefully making it a little more difficult for opposition sides to make that choice. I do suspect Beams will get the tag once again. So this game was really close to getting that first win for the season for the Lions, still sitting there on equal bottom of the ladder with Carlton, but I think most people watching think that Brisbane's a little closer to that win than Carlton. Are you feeling that way too? Yeah, I, th- I sort of start, like, I think five games now out of seven where in the last quarter we've been within a goal, um, and often that is at full time, so the Port game, and then I think technically not within a goal here, but a seven-point loss to the Pies. Um We've definitely had chances in a lot of games and looked a lot more competitive, I think, than Carlton. Um, I wouldn't, you know, just how it goes, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they just bob up for a win at some point and leave us as the only team on zero wins, but not really panic stations, I don't think, for the Lions. We're looking pretty good. And were there any, you know, new young players who we know that uh, the recruit played his first game? Uh, how'd he do? Yeah, Matty Eagle's first game, he did pretty well. He came in and immediately gave away a couple of rough free kicks so it looked, looked like sort of maybe the pace Country of the game league, uh, yeah the pace was probably getting to him a little bit or just nerves but he settled in pretty well and he took a few important marks got a few free kicks himself and, and looked to be providing a good contest and a good aggressive option down back there definitely didn't look like someone you know sort of out of his depth um you know tv recruit sort of player um looked like he he, he played it and belonged at that level um oscar McInerney, another one he took a very impressive mark at one point kicked a goal to once again, level up the scores. And a few of the young boys just sort of look like they're working into form a bit more. Um, Zach Bailey, I think, is one who looks a bit more comfortable now at AFL level than he did on his debut. He probably had the best game, I think, out of all the kids. 17 touches and a goal. We'll move on now to a, out of the games of last week and into you know just some other talking points. And one I want to bring up with you is an article that I read this afternoon on the AFL site where they looked at what the Victorian and All-Stars teams would be like if we had a... Uh, a all-star versus Victorian lineup at the moment. Um, maybe we'll read through the teams and have a bit of a talk of who'd win this game. So in the Victorian team, we'll start maybe with the key position defenders. We've got uh, Robbie Tarrant and Michael Hurley lining up for the Vicks, whereas for the Dream team, we've got Rance and Alex Pierce. Who do you think's got the better defensive backmans there? 
Um, Rand's probably the best name out of those four, but I think as a as a twosome there, I'd probably have to go with the Vix. Um, I'm not probably not going to be surprised. I think the Vix probably got the depth here across the park. We'll see. Uh, we'll go just to the general defenders now. We've got Tom Stewart, Michael Hibbard, James Sisley, and Cade Simpson lining up for Victoria. Whereas for the Dream Team, we've got uh, Rory Laird, Elliot Yeo, Shannon Hearn, and Jeremy Howe. That one's pretty close. So I might even give that one to the uh, the Dream Team there. That's a pretty good lineup they've got. Yeah, Yeo and Laird both in that defensive line, really firing the ball out of defense. So I'd probably go with you there. They look like they've got a strong general defense. Uh, we'll move through the lines. We'll go to the center line. We've got uh, for Victoria, our favorite, uh, Jack McRae with Trent Cotchin and Andrew Gaff. Whereas for the Dream Team, we've got Gibbs, Mitchell, and Isaac Smith. It's a tough one. Uh, probably at the moment, I'm going to have to lean towards the Vicks with Jack McRae there in amazing form. And obviously, Trent Cotchin, the reigning premiership captain, although uh, pretty good lineup there as well for the Dream Team. And as, as we mentioned, Isaac Smith is a uh, future Brownlow medalist, so <laughs> can't go past him. Move down to the key position forwards, Jeremy Cameron and uh, Patrick Dangerfield landing up at full forward there for the Vicks, whereas we've got uh, Benny Brown and Lance Franklin for the Dream Team. That's an interesting one. I'm going with the Dream Team here. I love Benny Brown and love Buddy Franklin. They're probably the best two key position forwards in the league at the moment. Definitely with form, um, Cameron and Dangerfield both being a bit injured throughout the year, I'd say. Franklin too, but Benny Brown really standing up top of that Coleman race, I would think. Uh, general forwards, we've got Charlie Cameron, uh, Luke Bruce, Jack Dowling, and Mark LeCraft for the Dream Team, and side bottom Higgins, Charlie Kernow, and Robbie Gray for the Vicks. Charlie Kernow probably in the key position forwards category, I think, but uh, that's pretty even, uh, I would imagine. Uh, just having a look here again. and uh, yeah. I'd probably say the Vicks probably have that, but we do have a lot of those mids lining up as the forwards, but we know that you know Gray and Higgins and Sadie can all kick goals from that forward line. Yeah, switch Kernow and probably Paddy Dangerfield, I guess, in terms of positions there. But yeah. I might actually go with the Dream Team. For the followers, we've got Maxi Gorn, Dusty Martin and Clayton Oliver for the Vicks and Brody Gundry, Grundy, Nat Fife and Stephen Coniglio for the Dream Team. Once again, pretty even. I'd probably have to lean towards Gorn, Dusty and Oliver there. That's a pretty awesome trio. Yeah, I like that one there. And on the interchange, we've got Adam Trelaw, Joel Selwood, Ollie Wines and Marcus Bontempelli for the Vicks. And Lockie Neal, Patrick Cripps, Jesse Hogan, and Jared Polek for the Dream Team. This one probably depends on whether you're looking at, at form or names. I think the Vicks have got the better names here. Obviously, when, when Bont is the last player on your list, you're doing pretty well. But the other side, Jared Polek, you know, probably has a better season at the moment than Bontepelli, despite not having that star power name. Mm. So looking at those teams, do you reckon you've got a, a winner in mind or which team would come out on top if we were to play this game? I like the Dream Team, um, not necessarily because they're better. I'm just going sort of anti-Vic here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think the Dream Team can make that one pretty competitive. Not that I really expect to see this get off the ground. No, is it something that you want to see come back into the AFL, maybe end of season, in the middle of the off-season or something, the the game? I'm not too bothered. I'm not really sure that clubs would take it so seriously or would want their players playing in it as well. Um, Probably, I didn't really see any Brisbane players listed there, so it might be good for us to just watch on the sidelines as everyone else gets Charlie hurt. Cameron, I saw uh, his Charlie name. Cameron, okay. But uh, yeah, it would be a nice spectacle, but I can't really see it getting off the ground with clubs so worried about you know injuries and, and influencing preparations and et cetera these days. Yeah, it'd be one of those things where it'd be not wanting it to get to what the sort of NBA all-star game is at the moment, where it's just a whole lot of you know people scoring goals just kick a goal and you kick a goal sort of like the aflx style but i'd really like to see it i was really excited by it back when we had you know 
it was back when Fev and Buddy and everyone was lighting up that game. I, I really enjoyed it, even if it isn't, you know, the hard tackling, you know, the game that we sort of see on the weekends. But I'd really like to see all the best of the best out there at some point, whether it's end of year or, you know, during finals of the teams that don't make the finals or something. Just just a little little something for the fans. Definitely be a great spectacle and probably better than the uh, the, old, the Vicks versus the Allies, I think, what they have now with the old boys, although that's always pretty fun to watch as well. Yeah, I sort of like that one. Um, as we said earlier in the year, I'd really like to see them do a AFL-X version of that come next AFL-X. I'd really like to see the old boys sort of give it a go, and I, I just really want to see if Rocker can kick it from the whole ground. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're the only person looking forward to the next season of AFL-X. <laughs> so, sure. Uh, maybe we'll move on to the games for next week. Yeah, we'll put some tips in. Um, how did I do last week? Or how did we do? Uh, I think you might have even got one up on me because cool. I uh, tipped the Sainers because cool. I'm a fool. Um, yeah, I don't know. We haven't gone back and counted them. I think I might have got the dogs over the Suns for you, but I think well, we both got the power wrong and I got the Saints wrong. So, yeah, maybe we actually broke even. We'll have to do another recap count for next week. So... We've got a new model running at the moment. Uh, we've got both last year's and this year's data in, and it's probably making a few different tips. Um, we didn't actually run the old model to find out whether it is making different tips, but uh, hopefully more accurate tips from this point on, although it's been pretty good so far. First game, we've actually got one that I'm really struggling to tip. We've got the fourth-placed Hawks playing the eighth-placed Swans at the MCG. Normally, I'd think the Swans the stronger team, but on form, the Hawks probably looking the better. Who do you have here? Yeah, nobody Franklin as well, so... Uh, Obviously not playing against his old side there and one of their best avenues to goal. Um, I'm not really sure how I'm going to go with them. I'm going to make a snap decision on the spot. Um, I think I'm going to tip the Hawks. I'm going to go against you, being a 50-50 game. Probably fair that it was split anyway, but I'm going to back the Swans. I think that they're the sort of team that will come out proving a point after their poor performance last week. Um, I think that they might get the job done, but expect a really exciting game on Friday, which is always good. And the model has started with you here, Lee. They've got the Swans. Uh, pretty close game, I think. Next up, we've got the Giants hosting the Eagles. Um, once again, Giants, most people would expect to win, but the informed side, the Eagles. So, interesting match. Who do you have in this one? Yeah, I did just say I should probably start taking the Eagles seriously, but uh, I might leave that for another week. I think I'm going to go with the Giants, despite how poor they looked uh, last Friday night. Yeah, I feel like those ins we said, Cameron and Love will make a big difference, and I'm going to go with the Giants as well. All three of us, I think the model's gone the Giants too. Next, we've got the Blues and the Dons. Wow, this is actually a really interesting game. Cripple fight. Um, I'm oof, no Joe Danaher. Um, this is probably the Blues will get up and about here. I think you know, sensing a chance for a win, but I'm going to have to tip the Dons, and the model has as well. Yeah, I'm going to go with you, but. Wow, that's a way more interesting game than I thought it would be, and I agree. I think that the Blues will be up and about smelling uh, blood in the water. Next, we've got the Suns and the Ds over at the Gabba. I think this one's being played. Yeah, Suns still um, being a bit nomadic and, and traveling around, I assume, because of the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, I think there's still issues with the ground. Um, I think despite the away fixture here, I'm going to have to go with the Ds. Yeah, if this was at um, the Suns' actual home ground, I might might think otherwise but i think the demons will go up and get the job done too the model yeah demons with the, with the model cool. showdown next game another close one should be a good round of footy power versus the crows yeah so this is the closest game of the round for the model um it's very close it actually would have swung in terms of home ground advantage if it was a home ground advantage and mm. we don't obviously give the home ground advantage to the home side just because they're the home side because it's it's both teams home ground so um, the model has gone with the crows 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the model here. I'll also take the Crows, I think. They look pretty good. Yeah, but expect those games are always close. I think the amount of the showdowns that end up being, you know, a couple of kick games is always high, so expect another good game of footy there. Next up, we have the Dogs and the Lions, Etihad Stadium. Yeah, Etihad Stadium, I think, obviously leans towards the Dogs here. Um, They'd be the favourites anyway, but Lions playing pretty well. I think we're a decent chance to win, and I'll be there cheering us on. Um, I will tip the Dogs, though. I will too, and I think the model has the Dogs as well, but... I think of all the games to win, dogs are a bit up and down, and um, I reckon that'll be a close game too. Uh, next up, we've got the Saints travelling to Perth to play Fremantle um, at the start of the year. This was a game I lined us up to win, but at the moment, I think especially with our forward line woes, Fremantle might be a bit strong here. So that's officially a tip against the Saints there, Lee. Yeah, I'll tip Freo, which means that maybe anti-jinx us. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, the model's also going with the Dockers um, at home, and I'm also going to take the Dockers. I can't really tip the Saints at the moment, although I do think they're a sneaky chance here. Yeah, I'd hope that we get up and about um, and go in here, but the avenues to goal look slim at the moment, and we'd probably only get up if it was a bit of a dour, low-scoring affair. Uh, North versus the Tigers at Etihad Stadium. North uh, all firing. Yeah, North are firing. Um, they're still sort of hampered in our model predictions due to their obviously poor year last year, and so the model has this as the biggest blowout of the week. Um, it reckons the Tigers will just pile on the goals. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think North can make it competitive, but I do think the Tigers will win. Yeah, too hard to tip against the Tigers this year. I'll go for them. Last up, we've got the Cats versus the Pies at the MCG. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, apparently, a lot of people are tipping the pies. Uh, I'm not going to be one of them, and neither is the model. We're both going with the cats. Um, as I mentioned, the model likes the cats at the moment. It's got them as the number one side. Yeah, I'm going to side with you. The Danger Woodlittons um, will win the game solely on their back. Should be a good round of football, I think. Definitely the potential for some close games there. And uh, as I mentioned, I'll be there on Saturday night, hopefully cheering the Lions on to our first win of the season. I think we're a sneaky chance. Um don't think you're making the trip over to up to Stadium, Lee? Uh, no, I won't be making the trip over, but we'll definitely be tuning in uh, as optimistic as always, even though it looks very grim. We're a bit lazy this week, didn't really prepare any talking points, so I think we'll just leave it here. Yeah, I think they'll close it off for the week. Um, keep a good eye on uh, those super coach names I mentioned. If I do bring in Sicily, everyone cheer him on for me and try and get me up even higher in the rankings. Mm-hmm.